Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. Welcome back to Corporate Unplugged, uh, the place to listen to people who use their work and companies as instruments for impact. Listening to their stories will help you uncover your potential, your ideas, and help you make progress towards the impact you want to work for. I'm so grateful to each and one of you that subscribed, rated, and reviewed this podcast. Thank you so much for doing that, and if you have not, please make sure you do. And I love the fact that you listen in every single week. Thank you so much for making this commitment and listen to this episode with Stanley Zito, a man with a true power to influence the massive textile industry. Stanley Zito is executive chairman of Leverstyle, a Hong Kong headquartered regional apparel manufacturing group, a supply partner of fashion leaders such as Theory, Hugo Boss, John Vervedos, All Saints and Vince, and e-commerce pioneers including Bonobos, Stitch, Fix and Everlane. So Stanley, I'm very glad to have you here with me from Hong Kong. Thank you very much for having me. And right now, actually, we are uh, in Milan at the Armani headquarters. And I, get, I bet that you feel at home in these kind of environments. And you just happen to be here during this week of fashion, furniture, design uh, in Milan to have some meetings over here. I'm really honored to meet with you in person. Pleasure is all mine. You've been recognized for your vision and innovation. For example, last year you won the Ernst Young uh, Award, the Entrepreneur of the Year Award. What is your, your vision for the textile industry? I think there's a lot of uh, room for growth in our industry. Uh, well, first of all, nobody's going around naked. So this industry is not going away. So everybody's going to be wearing clothes. Uh, the question is, how do we, you know, as uh, companies in the industry, supply to that demand. And uh, we've seen other industries have transformed in leaps and bounds. I think that in our industry, we're actually a little bit behind and uh, the change is going to be accelerating and a lot of it is going to be coming in the coming years and decades. What is or, or perhaps do you think should be the number one priority for all textile companies to produce this kind of real lasting change for, for the well-being, for the environment as a whole? Our industry, the apparel industry, is one of the most polluting industries uh, in the world. And I believe that there are lots of things that we can do to actually minimize that impact. And uh, there are, on the material side, on recycling, I think there's a lot, lot that we can do that can make a positive impact to the world. And um, what are you so far uh, influencing? Because you are, uh, I know, a chairman in many different uh, organizations and on boards and, and have, uh, you could say, lots of influence. What do you feel so far that you kind of, yes, we've achieved that or we are on our way? Or what are you mostly so far proud of? Uh, I'm very happy to be working with my team inside my company. Uh, you know, from where we started to where we have, you know, even though right now we're not a I no stretch of the imagination, a huge or success, you know, or very successful company, we have uh, made out, you know, some progress. And uh, to see that uh, our team sort of enjoy that success and see the glow in their eyes has been very satisfying to me. And I know that you're also board member uh, in a research center and innovation think tank at the Wharton School of University of Pennsylvania. 
What is it that you're achieving there? The Baker Retailing Center is a, a group of uh, industry practitioners mm -hmm. who are interested in, you know, when we talk about you know, what's happening to the industry and what's, what's happening three, five, ten years down the road. And it's very inspiring to talk about that and to just exchange ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, another side uh, sort of function is we're there to inspire the, alum, uh, the students mm -hmm. at the Wharton School and see, you know, for those that want to get into the retail industry, to let them know that, hey, there's actually a future and there's a, a lot of changes that where they can contribute to it. What are the like, typical concerns of the students right now in terms of the fashion and textile industry? I think the traditional concern is, uh, you know, this industry is not a very sexy industry, especially for you know business people or, or, or the uh, from the Wharton School, which is a, a business school. Mm -hmm. So the cream of the crop. You know, usually they tend to go into technology, investment banking, you know, consulting. Retail is sort of something that they would never consider. But, you know, if uh, we can sort of let them know that there are opportunities in this field, uh, maybe we'll get more talents into the industry, and which will help the industry as a whole. I mean, being here in Milan, I was just, uh, you know, visiting some events here around, around the corner, um, close to the Armani office, and they're just full of young people, looking very proud and like cool being part of this industry and so on. Is it a wrong perception, do you think, that, that it's kind of difficult to attract talent and people uh, to the retail? Well, there are certain talents that are attract, naturally attracted to this industry. For example, those in the arts. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, fashion, filmmaking, for example, these would be sort of uh, uh, mm -hmm. for creative types. You know, that, this could be a very attractive place mm -hmm. to work. Mm -hmm. But for people in the you know, maths and the sciences or in the, uh, in the business, you know, or in law, retail is not you know, all that exciting relative to some of the other industries. Before uh, joining uh, Style, you worked actually in the finance uh, sector, like uh, in GP Morgan with mergers and acquisitions, and, and you've been on boards of many companies and so on. So the finance sector is, you know it very well. And it is a very powerful, you could say, um, uh, sector. What should we, you think, expect from them in terms of creating impact? I believe that the more powerful people are, the more impact, more positive impact they should aspire to, to make to the world. Mm -hmm. And the finance field, you know, because you have so much money is in it and, and um, you know, money comes resources and, and there's a lot of uh, uh, things that they can do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I believe that they owe it to the, to the society to make a more positive contribution. Maybe it's by funding more innovative companies, mm. maybe it's by you know, helping out certain causes, but I think there is a lot that the finance industry can do. And impact investing has been sort of on the rise recently, and that's very encouraging to see. But let's uh, move over to talk to about, about you, actually, Stanley. What is the thing that you would call um, passion, you know, it comes from this Latin word patire, which means that you're suffering, you're, you're so into something that you're also willing to suffer for it in one way or the other, if you need to. Just uh, competing and being a team member of a, of a group and going out there and trying to do our own thing and when success mm -hmm. comes and seeing our team members really enjoy that process, that to me is extremely uh, fulfilling. We all have to be team players. I mean, there's nobody who is all powerful and we all have limited number of hours per day. Mm -hmm. If we don't leverage the team and work together well, there's a limit to what one person can do. 
So I firmly believe that, you know, our job is to form the right team and to motivate the team and, and, and to hopefully succeed as a team. And what do you think attracts people to companies today? What are they looking for first? I think people look for inspiration. People look for other people who, are, who have been successful and who have been working hard and who, who have been achieving things and they want to be part of a winning team. And what does that mean to be a winning team? I think it's, uh, you know, even looking at myself, I, I enjoy being, you know, working with a team that's doing well and, uh, you know, we're innovating, we're doing things differently and uh, bringing in new ideas. If we're doing the same old thing and then we're just one of the also rands or we're you know, failing relative to other teams, you know, I, I can't see that as being very fun. Are there any, like, you could say, you could say transformational points in your life so far that have influenced you a lot? Yeah, there have been several points, but uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, mm -hmm. when I first joined this industry, when I first joined the business, mm -hmm. uh, it was in the year 2000. And uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, our company should have been bankrupt. It was basically insolvent. Before that point, I was, I was you know, in school and then in the finance industry and sort of things were going relatively smooth. And uh, to join a company that was really struggling, you know, at that time, it's fair to say I haven't really had many sort of uh, failures in life and that to keep on struggling I thought that was actually a, uh, a very very good training and it was sort of like baptism by fire mm -hmm. and um, after that experience I felt that you know anything is uh, uh, workable and I think our team also feels the same way what do you think will be your like next step will you will you stay on and be chairman for different companies and try to influence people like that or uh, will you look for a more operational CEO role? I enjoy working with uh, other people who can, who can do a lot of different things mm -hmm. and uh, feel that there are lots of talented people out there and I'd rather work with people like that and delegate to people like that and, uh, and hopefully I can inspire people like that. Mm -hmm. And so I would prefer to, uh, to work at sort of a chairman level or then helping out a lot of different organizations and companies. Mm -hmm. Is it difficult to um, work in in, um, in the textile industry context and kind of um, coordinate all of the different wishes and all the different agendas into like one? Well, uh, I guess the key is to simplify things and really identify. And let's say my own company, it's really what are the one or two things that are most important for the company and let's focus on that. Mm -hmm. The rest is just noise. And so same thing at the Textile Council, the key is to figure out what's important for the industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure, you have thousands of companies inside that industry and they may all have slightly different needs and wants. Mm -hmm. But if you can identify the one or two common things that will serve most people and focus on that, you know, that's at least how I simplify things and make sure I don't get distracted. What are these like one or two top things now that you work with your team on for your group? Uh, for our company, uh, we've been working on digitalization. Mm -hmm. How can we, in the supply chain, in the apparel supply chain area, it's actually still very analog. Even though downstream at the apparel retail level, uh, people sell on Amazon, there's a lot of uh, digital platforms, and so things are being digitized. But on the supply chain side, it's still quite old-fashioned. So one of the things that we're focusing on is uh, how do we digitalize that and make things a lot more efficient, a lot quicker, quicker to respond. Another thing that we're trying to do is to offer maximum versatility to our clients. Uh, now that we're in the digital world, 
things are going to have to be very flexible. You know, things can change quickly. We are trying to figure out a uh, or set up a manufacturing platform where you know country of location can change quickly, products can change quickly, mm-hmm. and we can have uh, delivery relatively fast, mm-hmm. so that our clients can respond quickly to their consumers' demands. I would say those are the two things that we're focused on. And do you cooperate across companies around this so that not everybody has to go through the same kind of process? Well, uh, just like um, you know, one person can't do everything, one company can't do everything either. So mm. we make a lot of effort to develop business partnerships with both clients, suppliers and other service providers to work together to drive towards the, the goals of our company. Because I remember when I spoke to Liz Bassler about uh, R&D and innovation and really kind of not to like outsource everything, but rather unite even with your closest competitors to work together on what is going to be our next step as an industry, as a group of companies, and trying to share resources and thoughts and, and then uh, despite, so to say, competition to, to create something bigger and better. Uh, that's why I asked the, the question. I was thinking, how do you use the kind of a common knowledge uh, and, and the insights of other companies uh, together. Yeah, that's certainly something that we do. Our industry is actually very fragmented, so everybody is a friendly competitor. It's not like, yeah. in the, let's say, the uh, cola industry where you have Coca-Cola and Pepsi, and basically you know, they are, you know, one person's gain is the other person's loss. In the fashion or apparel industry, there's so many different players. And to the extent that you know, we can work with those like-minded companies, even though in a way we compete, but we all can also collaborate and, uh, and we can together come out ahead. What, what, what long-term formula for business do you really uh, believe in? Any industry is competitive. And uh, in order to survive, let alone succeed, I think perseverance is very important. Uh, if you come across you know, challenges and you just sort of shy away or you just don't figure out how to march through it, this company is not going to be around for long. And uh, even looking at our own company, you know, the way we survived some very tough moments, it was just through perseverance. And a lot of times working hard and persevering, good luck tends to go to those companies that do that. I personally believe that perseverance is a, a very important character for companies to succeed. As I'm also based in, uh, in Stockholm, of course, I'm studying closely companies like H&M and so on that are headquartered there. And so what do you think about companies like that, like H&M, Zara, the Inditex Group and so on? What is it that if you would be asked any kind of advice and so on from, from that perspective, what could they or should they do more of, if anything, out there? H&M and Inditex are wildly successful companies. Uh, in the last 20 years, these companies have taken so much market share from uh, the more traditional players. However, you know, they, uh, they, they've succeeded by delivering fast fashion, the things that are, you know, can be thrown away in you know, cheap, low prices, uh, very fashionable, up to date. But uh, there's a flip side of that. The flip side is you, know, you, have, you generate a lot of fashion waste. And uh, where is that going to go? Well, it's not their fault. But you know, a byproduct of the success is the, uh, is the waste that our industry is creating. But I see that H&M and others are working very hard to talk about the circular economy, how clothing can be, can be recycled. And there's a lot of research and effort being done. So while there is a, currently a little problem that we, we have to solve, you know, it is being worked on.
companies are designed to serve their customers well, and how, that's how they grow. To the extent that consumers look for sustainable products and sustainable you know, fashion, that will be the core driver of uh, companies, fashion companies, mm -hmm. becoming more sustainable. Fashion companies by themselves may not be fully incentivized to do that on their own. Uh, but we're seeing the consumers, uh, especially the younger generation, demanding uh, to know where you know, clothing comes from, whether child labor were used, and whether this cotton material is, uh, has taken a lot of uh, you know, water and so forth, and you know, whether these jeans have been washed with a lot of wastewater. And with that sort of uh, consumer sentiment, uh, some fashion companies are now responding to that. For example, one of our clients, Everlane, they have done a lot of work on sustainability. And uh, you know, they, they come up with these uh, jeans. They work with a supplier in Vietnam that has, uh, I guess, used 99% recycled water to make their jeans, something like that. I am not, I'm not a technical expert, so I can't. But you, know, I, you get the gist of it is you know, companies like Everlane are pushing in this direction because, uh, of course, uh, their founder and their management believe in it, but also their consumers want it and are willing to buy from Everlane because Ever that's what Everlane stands for. If we dream a little bit and say that you have all kinds of doors open to you and all resources available to you, and I bet you have lots of resources and then doors open, but if we imagine that it's like there's no limits at all to this, what would you then want to see uh, innovate or want to change in your industry? I would dream about changing how clothes are made. Our industries are very traditional. We have had... Um, uh, actually, ever since like Victorian England in the, I guess, 1800-something, uh, when the sewing machine was uh, invented, clothes have been made pretty much the same way by sewing workers, you know, who, who, who just basically stitched panels together. And um, what we've seen in the past, maybe, you know, uh, since the Second World War, is a lot of moving around of uh, where clothing is made chasing you know cheaper and cheaper uh, labor costs mm -hmm. so moving from initially from let's say the, the u.s to then east asia like uh, korea hong kong uh, and then uh, to uh, lower cost places like uh, uh, malaysia thailand and then china and now to like vietnam you know people are now even going to uh, ethiopia so it's finding the next place where where labor costs is, is low that's been sort of uh, what's happening to our industry for, for a long, long time. None of effort has been put on how to fundamentally change how things are made. But we see sort of uh, possibilities uh, coming up in the horizon. There are advances in robotics, even 3D printing, and there may be other technologies coming on stream. And, and I think it will be fascinating uh, for the industry, but very disruptive for the industry, where if we can push these sort of new ways of doing things, uh, new technologies to apply on making clothes. Is that used anywhere uh, right now? We are seeing some, some sort of uh, simple products uh, being made that way, but not in large scale and uh, certainly not in more fancy and, uh, products that robotics and 3D printing are not geared for yet. Is there like one piece of um, advice that you would like to give to leaders out there? One thing I've learned over the years is uh, I can't be good at everything. And uh, finding team members and delegating to team members is actually a key to success. And um, even if, let's say, I can be as strong at doing something as somebody else, sometimes it's worth having the other person do it so that 
my time and my energy can be freed up to do things that I alone maybe can can add more value. And that's sort of the philosophy I do and I keep in you know, running the company. I try to, as much as possible, let the team make you know, all the, the decisions that they are well equipped to make. And uh, I only help out in areas where, you know, maybe because of my position and my exposure, uh, I may have new ideas that my team may, may find it more difficult to come up with. And you're now based in Hong Kong, right? Yeah, we're based in Hong Kong and in China. And um, what about giving advice to yourself maybe 10, 15 years ago? What could that be? 15 years ago, uh, our company was still in a, a very, very difficult uh, situation. And uh, there were times when uh, we couldn't solve you know, issues, problems. And my whole mood, my whole personal sort of, uh, uh, my laughter would disappear. And uh, thinking back, that may not have been the healthiest uh, way to look at things. And sometimes we have to accept that you know, things, if things go well, it may not be because of you. And if things don't go well, that is not necessarily your fault either. And uh, learning how to take things you know, in a more moderate manner. If you would be you know, anxious about anything today in, this, uh, uh, in the role you have, uh, what is that typically you know, about? There's something that's... Uh, that's always been a, a focus is what's the next big thing that can really put us out of business? The world is changing and the pace of change is increasing and there are new technologies, new ways of doing things that are coming up. And uh, if we're not at the forefront or near the forefront of that, you know, we can be out of business you know, in no time. And that's something that I'm constantly, that, that, that's what keeps me up at night. And how do you and, and do you think other leaders go about that? I mean, how can you be practically on top of, you know, everything that is relevant that is moving out there? Because typically things might happen in a totally different sector that influences your sector as well, etc. I mean, it's all, I guess, senior management's responsibility to understand what's out there, what's happening in the world, and what could potentially impact the companies or the sectors that they, they work in. I try to keep up to date with that by talking to a lot of people, by uh, reading up on things and uh, also you know, trying to sort of analyze you know, what are the priorities because there are always a zillion things and you, can't, you don't have enough hours in the day to cover everything. So it's really how to prioritize and pick and choose which are the areas that you want to focus on. And uh, if I miss something, you know, I mean, I have to accept that I'm human. Do you have people like on board in your company that you uh, turn to to discuss that are kind of close to you that... That you uh, that you can always um, you know discuss with or, or so on because sometimes on the top it can be also very lonely. <laughs> I seek advice and ideas from a lot of sources. Uh, certainly, the team that we have at work uh, that's a team that I bounce ideas with uh, quite a bit. But also, we have our, our board of directors, and we form a board that is very professional and very um, smart people who are keen to help us. And you know, I get a lot of ideas uh, from them. And I also get a lot of ideas from people from outside the industry. You know, friends that run you know, different kinds of businesses or do different kinds of things. Good ideas can come from everywhere. And I try to have my antenna up all the time. What do you think is the most important thing for uh, all companies to focus on right now? Is there like one common denominator for all companies to focus on? I would say... Um, in the age of technology, artificial intelligence and all that, 
despite all that, the most important thing is actually people. Uh, people are the ones who come up with strategic ideas. Uh, sure, computers and AI can you know calculate and analyze things, but in terms of you know which you know what the company stands for, what direction the company is heading, uh, it's all about the people. And also, like uh, even capital is a commodity. You know, capital goes to good people and good ideas. So, you know, how do you develop people so that they they execute well and they have the right, they have good ideas to bring to the company? That I believe is the is is very important for every single company. Actually, the company, the word company itself, stands for the company of people, right? Several people together. So, yeah. So, developing people is key. And and uh, if we have an even higher perspective, what what do you think the world needs most uh, at this uh, very time? I think the world uh, needs uh, good leadership, political leadership, you know, government leadership, help people get through this times of change. And actually, you know, times of change will not will, you know will not stop. So we will keep on happening. And uh, how how do you know, leaders help? people prepare for that and how to help people thrive in that kind of environment, how to create a positive atmosphere and not create fear and, and uh, sort of infighting. So you know, leaders who can sort of inspire people are what we need, I believe. Sure. And I think also this kind of a bigger need than ever for this kind of leadership, because it doesn't exist very much, people turn also to companies to see the leadership in the companies so that they can follow them and follow somebody, you know? That's why, I mean, above the kind of the general business model, what is the company standing for? What are they doing? What are they kind of fighting for? What solutions are they going to help us with, right? So that you turn to companies for that hope, for that leadership. And that's uh, why it's so beautiful to see that more and more companies are taking up that, you could say, challenge uh, in a positive way. Well, leadership can come from all walks of life. And uh, to the extent that the business community can provide uh, leadership and inspiration, that's a very good thing. And as a business person, I would be proud of that if we can do out a little bit along those lines. Great, Stanley. So how was it to be on the podcast? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's a very thought-provoking questions. So thank you so much, uh, Stanley. Thanks for, for sharing. I'm so grateful. Uh, and to follow your work and then find out more about what you do, should people head to a, a website or what do you indicate? Our company Lever Style is on uh, www.leverstyle.com. You know, we are constantly trying to you know, change how things are done and uh, you know, a lot of uh, our innovative ideas and new ways of doing things are all, we, we try to update our website regularly. So for those that are interested in following us, please uh, take a look at our website. Okay, great. Thank you so much for listening and I hope it was really useful. Make sure to post your best learnings on social media. I love seeing them there. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the podcast. And it genuinely means very much to me and make sure sharing Corporate Unplugged with lots of more people. Imagine we had a world where everyone is committed to use their work to create solutions and opportunities we truly need and to work for good impact. Imagine what incredible world that would be. See you next week and thank you so much. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye.